Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Good afternoon. Welcome to the call. Ten stocks picked by you. One stock of the day. Two expert guests in 60 minutes. I'm Nadine Blaney, and it's really nice to be here with you on this Monday afternoon. Okay, so who are my guests? It's a Monday, and so with me is Gaurav Sodi joining us from the Intelligent Investor, and Nathan Samasandaram from Deep Data Analytics. Hey guys, nice to see Thanks you. Nice. Start of a new trading week. Mm-hmm. 7,000 for the index in our sites. But you were saying, Gaurav, the stock list doesn't float your boat. Why? What are you looking for these days? I just want to see something new or something deeply contrarian. I feel as though I've got a couple of uh, battery metal stocks, a couple of big stocks, you know, like nothing really that I thought, huh, didn't expect to see that there. Well, that's interesting. You know, it was just... Um, yeah, there was nothing wrong with him particularly. Okay, I, before I, he buries yeah. the show, <laughs> I was going to say. Oh, actually, does. Like, I feel like when we've got this little rally going on. Oh, I'm not worried about the rally per se. I mean, you're down three months in a row, um, so you're going to have a asset allocation bounce. I mean, the move in the bond market was massive. I mean, we're talking about we, you know, a week and a half ago we we're talking five percent. Now it's four point five percent. So that's a huge move in the bond market, and you've had asset allocation coming off for three months, now going back into the market. All the asset classes are bouncing. Um, but that's the usual cycle it goes through. I think the the more the bigger thing was the globally, employment market has been the strongest part. It's held everything together. And the non-farm payroll in the US, you knew eventually that has to come weaker. All over, yeah. yeah. And I think the miss wasn't the big thing, it was the restatement that on an aggregate basis that shows there is weakness. And I suspect that's going to start playing on central banks. So it, it, it'll have a macro call. I think the market usually, when you have a Fed decision and a non-farm payroll on the week, pretty much in the last couple of years, that week always goes up because the, the money just goes in to cover it. Um, so it wasn't anything surprising, but it, it's definitely, I mean, I can understand why Gaurav's looking at the list and saying, I can see why investors are kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. They want to play the small cap, but they're too scared to play the small cap. Yeah. They want to pick the beaten up stocks. Uh, I mean, everyone wants to pick the turnaround story, but in this kind of market, that's tough. And then the large caps, things that are pulled back, do I want to pick it now or will it go lower? And history has shown it, things tend to go lower. So yeah, it, it, I think it's hard. It's a, it, it's a tough market. I think you gotta have high conviction and you gotta be willing to take a bit of volatility. I will say, I will throw some credit out that there are no uranium companies in here. <laughs> And CSL and ResMed are nowhere to be seen. So yeah, it's yeah, pretty right. novel. In well, I have to regards. say, that, that is true. That is true. I'll pay that. <laughs> They're the three most that. popular yeah. themes okay. I can find at the moment. All right. Well, let's just run our viewers <laughs> through. And don't forget, these are nominated by our viewers. So, you know. Yeah, they, they, I love these yeah, stocks. They're okay. wonderful. Okay. All right. Um, I'm on your side. Always. Magnus Energy Technologies. Bit of controversy around that one. MNS. Pinnacle Investment Management. Funds <clears> Management. <throat> P&I. GPT, Light and Wonder, and Nanasonics. 
But the stock of the day is Goodman Group. After it released a trading update as of the end of September, quarter like for like net property income growth on properties in partnership rose by 4.9%. It has $82.9 billion in total assets under management, and it's forecasting full year earnings per share growth of 9%. It has no drawn debt maturities until late 2025. The company expects an FY24 distribution of 30 cents per share. So let's take a look at where the share price is currently sitting. Intraday down by more than 1%. So guys, Goodman Group has consistently been touted as you know best in class, not just in the commercial property space, but really property space in general. And there's such a demand for commercial property, distribution centers, et cetera, et cetera. Why is the market reacting negatively to this? Yeah, you're right. It's probably the the best quality uh, player in that space. We, it's more of a list of private equity. When we talk about those kind of players who can adjust and uh, play the market well, Goodman is up there with the best of them. Um, as good as it is, I think the thematic is hard at the moment. It's had a decent bounce off from the lows. Um, I, I think the sector has a lot of headwinds and the market doesn't know what to do with it. Now, most of the positives, everyone knows it's been a thematic for a long time. Um, I don't think that that's going away anytime soon, but that's relatively well priced. But most of these things, as with anything, are, carry a fair amount of debt. So when you're looking at interest rates, you're looking at uh, you know recession risk rising, uh, there's going to be uncertainty in that sector. But if, you're, you know, if you had to pick a stock to be in the REITs, this will be the one. Mm -hmm. And you can, uh, you know, you look at those probably Macquarie, West Farmers, uh, Saul Pats, um, Infratel, there's a few, all these lists of private equities that trade in multiple assets. Mm -hmm. um, you back them for multi-year play. In the shorter term, I think the market is uncertain, so this will be under pressure. Uh, but I, I think the longer, th longer term, when you have pullbacks in these kind of stocks, you buy them and you hold them for the long term. So I like it in the long term, but in the shorter term, we're not in that sector. We haven't been for a good part of two years, and we're comfortable staying out of that sector. So you're going to avoid that for now? Yeah. Correct. Look, I don't have much to add on Goodman. Uh, I think every guest you've had on the show probably says the same thing. It's a wonderful quality business, and it's expensive. And that's, that'd be my take as well. Um, I will also add, though, this is a uniquely complex business, and I do wonder how many people who are actually buying this thing understand what they're buying because I would throw the challenge out there to go and have a look at the accounts and try and piece together how they flow mm -hmm. together. You know, as a, mm -hmm. as a professional, that's something we, we sort of have to do. Yeah. Um, understand how each account links together and what it tells you about the business. And I find that difficult to do with Goodman because it's complex. Not that there's anything untoward. Like, yeah, management's that's what I was say. management's yeah. fantastic. It's just inherently. It's not accounting tricks that you're no, applying. No, no, no. Not, in fact, there's probably more clarity in Goodman than there is in other businesses of its ilk. Um, the, the balance sheet is absolutely pristine. Management's well incentivized and highly regarded. Um, I, I like this, the business a lot. I just, it's very expensive and it's extremely consensus. Mm -hmm. I find it hard to believe that this thing is mispriced or misunderstood. You know, if, if anything, it's probably over-owned. And I think there's a, you know, people, I keep hearing all the time that this is some sort of data center play. 98% of the earnings here are really about industrial property yeah. and the data center is very marginal. In the update, they sort of gave an indication of the scope of their data center entry. We are talking peanuts. Um, I think this is a really long dated um, option. I mean, you'd, you'd put your, your, your money on management to see it through. 
But these guys are thoughtful allocators of capital. They move slowly and they're still building out their logistics center as well. So I think that's more of a long-term thing rather than a, a short-term thing. And yeah. it's, it's bumped, it's driven the share price up a little bit. It looks expensive um, to me. Yeah, well, to your point, Morgan's mm. is an ad. Morgan Stanley, overweight, Macquarie yeah. outperform City, buy, UBS, buy. Yeah, I wouldn't be buying that. Yeah, yeah. Ords is <laughs> yeah. a hold, so there you, you go. Know, it becomes very easy. This, this is the almost the definition of a, of a low-risk stock for an analyst to recommend. Incredibly complex. You don't really understand it, but you don't get in trouble for sticking a buy on it. Yeah, and you if you stick a sell on it no. and it keeps going up, you look yeah. stupid. You know, so I, I, I think this, if anything, there's a, there's a bias towards this being just expensive. I mean, the whole sector, a bit like retail, <clears throat> fell the hardest uh, in the pullback from 22, oh, sorry, yeah. Um, and then it all bounced, and then most of them have come off, and so some of them haven't. But I think the thematic, the market is right, and it'll probably come off, and you'll get it cheaper. And you're right. In the longer term, this, these guys are going to be pretty good. And you buy in that sector, if you had to pick one, most people will pick this one, and for the right reason. Mm-hmm. But I think the time is probably not now. I've got a list on my watch list about 30 stocks. I call it the bench, and that's the stocks I follow. And if I'm going to buy something, 95% of the time they'll come from the bench. Occasionally there'll be some opportunity outside the bench. But um, Goodman sits in the bench. Yeah. Like it's that stock, it's in my top 30 list, that it sits on the bench and I'd like to own it one day, but not when, not under these conditions. I just pictured yeah. you as a coach with a whistle. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, well, I can just imagine it. <laughs> Gaurav, you know, coaching his yeah. own son, yeah. benching him, going, nah, you're sitting, you're sitting, you're sitting. I didn't have a name for it. And then a friend of mine says he calls his watch list the bench. And I nicked that and I yeah. called mine the bench as well. Oh, I just really cool. liked it. Yeah, yeah that's a good idea. All right, let's yeah. get to the list, shall we? I feel like this first conversation might be short. It's um, picked by Philip though. And he's saying the company's back from suspension. Is there any reason to invest in it at the moment? Uh, Just lately, there's been a lot of reporting done on the fact that it is pre-sales revenue and that one of its touted largest customers doesn't look like it's got a lot of backing behind it. So, you know, pledging to buy batteries worth you know, $373 million. It's an Indian company, I do believe, um, is apparently, according to The Australian, run by one man in Britain with just a little (laughs) bit of smattering on the ground staff in India. So it's sort of implying that, you know, it's going to be difficult for this big customer to be buying to the extent they say they're going to. Magnus. Is there any reason to buy this stock? No, there's not. I mean, um, what's the investment case here? So what, $80, $90 million business with plenty of debt. They're burning $60 million, it looks like, what, a quarter or a year? Anyway, they're burning more money than they're generating. They're generating zero revenue. You can see what's happened to the share price. There's going to be capital raisings to come. The ambitions here are, I'm sorry to say, Nadine, they're laughable. There's a graphite mine in, in Tanzania they want to develop. But then there's a processing facility in the US they want to actually make anode materials. We're talking billions of dollars of investment, and I don't see how this business is in any position to come close to achieving that. Um, This is a a no. I mean, there's just so much cash flying out, nothing coming in, and very little um, prospect of anything coming in. Do you agree? Yeah, 1.2 billion shares, and I think it's 9 million burnt in the last quarter. They got 14 mil, so there's a cap raising coming. Um, And 
it moved from being a graphite play to a tech play type thing, processing. It's hard, um, and there's going to be a lot of funding that has to be done to get that up and running. That natural graphite is hard work. Have a look at what's happening in um, in Siva Resources, who have a the best mine you could find in Mozambique, and they have had a host of technical problems. And that's that's a pretty decent operation. Um, this is hard work, and you're confronted with with Chinese synthetic graphite, which can flip and reflip at any moment. This is not easy. Just splashing battery metals or graphite in your materials and throwing charts of demand does not an investment mm-hmm. case. It's actually funny that you should say that the underperforming commodities mm-hmm. are all EV commodities over the last three to six months. So you're really going against the momentum where the baseload energy is the outperforming commodity and the EV commodity is underperforming. I'm not making a call on whether it's green energy or whatever. I'm just saying that's underperforming. You're trying to pick something that's underperforming, a stock that's underperforming, that needs cash, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's your answer, Philip. Thank you for writing in. Also, don't forget, <clears throat> what we go on about in this hour is wonderful, but it's information only. It is not personal financial advice. You do need to do your own research, and that includes you, Scott, that's written in about Pinnacle Investment Management, PNI, saying, given its diversified stakes in various asset managers and the solid distribution business, it seems a much more stable business compared to other funds management players. So Scott wants to know, if this one, along with GQG, would be the best funds management businesses on the ASX, so one can only wonder if he's considering investing. Would you put money into Pinnacle Investment Management? Oh, look, I think it's probably better than most, but, geez, it's a tough sector. Uh, and I think people have tried to pick the bottom on this so many times, hmm. um, and I want to, but we've discussed this before. Mm-hmm. When you've got outflows, don't. And at the moment, the sector still has outflows. I don't think the sentiment has turned around yet. Um, and I, I'd rather be late than early on this sector. And it's going to, I think it, Pinnacle's probably going to go sideways for a while till we see that. So you've got time. Um, and if, you, if you're a long-term player, um, look, I, I think it's okay to buy, and buy a bit and hold. I think this is probably better in the asset management game than most others. But... I don't see the sector turning around in the short term, so you've got time. I'm not going to call that a buy because no. you wouldn't be buying it today. So that's not now. But you you think it's a quality? Do you think it's a quality fund manager? Absolutely. Is it a fund manager? That well, it's more question. of a, yeah. an umbrella. It's for the, the like fund managers, managers, yeah. Managers, right? yeah. 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 So we actually we, we've owned this for quite some time. It's in two of our funds. I don't own, own it personally. In fact, I did years ago when it was. Um, it used to be a, a business called. Um, Wilson's, uh, what was the full name? It was called Wilson's and it was a brokering business and inside the brokering That's business right. was this little fund manager yes. and I thought I was really clever and I thought, oh yeah, they're, they're closing out the brokering business, they're going to spin out this fund manager. I've made myself a nice double, I think I sold it for two bucks and I you know, was really pleased with myself. <laughs> and then they got down, yeah. one of my friends has made a hundred times his money on this stock. Oh wow. <clears throat> yeah, and he never lets me forget it. I made my little two And he's still your friend? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, he's still my friend. Uh, yeah, um, and I made my little two-bagger on it. And um, there's there's so many lessons in that. You know, when you find um, a, a business that can continue growing, you really just want to stick in there. And that remains my view um, at the moment. So as I said, the the fund, two of our funds own this stock, and we've owned it for for quite a number of years. And the strategy is to hold it. I like businesses where you can um, 
uh, you can grow without doing anything different or anything new. You're really just extending the reaches of your existing activities. And that's what these guys are doing. Um, I think the management is fantastic. Um, really understand what they're doing and are very good at achieving this incremental, very simple growth. And part of that involves buying stakes in new fund managers, funding them and being a channel of services to them. But it also means that very slowly moving into other asset classes as well. So they're now doing some international stocks and there's room for them to then do um, other asset classes mm-hmm. after that as well. So I still think there's a long runway for this business and it will require some patience. Um, fantastic quality and, and I would actually agree with, with the caller. For me, this is probably the best funds business on the market. Um, funds is an interesting place to be to be hunting, extremely unloved um, whenever the market falls, these fund managers are very, very exposed to that. They go up and down with the vagaries of the market to a much greater magnitude. Um, I actually own two fund managers. Um, one I'll leave undisclosed, it's a, it's a little one. And the other one I'll, I'll say it's, um, I picked up some Australian ethical um, during the tax lock loss selling season. Um, I must say I'm a little bit unconvinced by it myself sometimes, but but that's a business that is actually, that's what, that's probably the only fund manager I can find that's growing its fund at the moment. Um, and everyone else is bleeding fund. Um, their challenge is really to grow the margin and scale, which they're not doing all that well. But, but, um, but that's, that's the other one I'd point to. I think that is an interesting yeah, business, far more expensive than but this. But their universe structurally is in the <clears throat> wrong cycle. That's probably the time to buy it though, yeah, I'd say. I, yeah, I think, I think I agree with you. I think yeah. In the in the next probably six months, you're going to get a buying opportunity in Aussie Ed, mm. uh, but the universe is under threat because of the where, where it's happening in the interest rate cycle yeah. and the bond yield cycle. So, I am interested in that one because that yeah. could be a massive mover on both sides. So it could be the fund and the universe doing well, and by default they kill it. Um, but yeah, there is a time I'm, I'm waiting. They're, they're, I agree. Those two are the ones you want to look because yep. on the way out. <clears throat> Those two will outperform most mm-hmm. others. Okay, so you would not be buying Pinnacle today at $8.55. I'm You're more than comfortable it. holding it. Yes. yes, that's right. Got it. All right, let's get on to the next company that's on the list. And this is for Mark and it's GPT. No context as to whether he already <clears throat> owns it or is interested in buying it. So maybe we can just talk about it. Um, first of all, just whether you think it's a quality company. You know, I'm not so sure anymore. I used to think this yeah. was a quality company. It's certainly got quality assets. Um, I find this difficult. I like to be looking here. I think this is an interesting place to look. It's a dangerous place to look. But I think if you're it's going... retail, just to clarify for, yes, sorry, you know, right. for yeah. our viewers. <clears throat> yep, retail, big property portfolio, also some funds management. <clears throat> well, yes, it, it, it gets its property and, and sort of um, bundles it up into an asset manager and it does take fees yeah. as well as rental income as well. So it's it's not just a property leasing business. There, yeah. there is a fund manager in there as well. You're right, yes. Um, it, it, I would call it a high quality business because it has high quality assets and the balance sheet's okay. Um, it's trading at 30% dis- discount to book. Now, 10 years ago when this was the bluest of the blue chip re- REITs, I would never have thought that would be possible for this to trade at uh-huh. a discount. This is always traded at a premium. Um, but of course, we all know the reasons why. We know the threats to office property. We know the threats of high interest rates to property values. I would say that at a yield of 6%, you can go into um, bonds and make 5.5% with zero risk. Um, there's not enough in it for me. I'd be selling and avoiding this for now. Although I think it's a good place to look this general area. 
is an interesting place for research. I don't have any REIT stocks on my bench, I don't think. No, I don't. Um, but this is an interesting place to look. Um, I just think you need something with a bit more upside. And, and this looks dangerous and not cheap enough to, to take on that danger. Bonds at, at That's five, the thing. You've got this risk-free... Just, I know. You know. You've got to think about it's, that. That, yeah. is, that is just... It's mind-boggling yeah, that yeah. most of the people, when they talk about stocks and you know the relative return... Yeah. People just don't, it's 5%. Like, yeah, that's historically incredible. speaking, yeah. you do not, you know, historically, long-term averages, you do not get 5% in dividend yield or earnings yield. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. So when you get past that 5%, yeah. I know it's my data thing, okay, maybe I'm a bit going a bit overboard, yeah. but once you go past 5%, you're just saying there is no, there is no the story there. It's just, it's 5%. Yeah. You know, that's so the bond market is telling you, it's a much bigger market and it's telling you things are not great and the equity market is saying, no, no, we should, we should be okay. So this is where I think you really have to be careful in the sector selection and stock selection. Yeah, well, it makes your job more difficult, doesn't it? It, it, so. it gets really tricky. Yeah, you have to be very selective. I think it actually makes it easy. You can say no more, to a lot more, more confidently mm-hmm. because you don't need the, you're really reaching for that extra return. Five and a half, six percent if you take on yeah. a bit more risk. These are very decent returns for most people you, with very five, little you risk. You can go to a bank yeah. and put your money in. Yes, you're right. They yeah, you yeah, they, give you, they give you 5%. They give you 5%. That's right. So, That's right. you know, it's amazing. Yeah. Okay, uh, okay so, so GPT, of, yes, no, uh, wait. No, 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 not even wait. I'd say no for yeah, now. It's a no. Yeah. Um, the sector is a no. Um, it just, grab just the basic argument is it's 5%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you're going to give me more than that and you don't have a lot of growth and you've got macro risk. Jeez. I will say this is this is the time to be looking at, at stuff like this because this could very well fall over um, as interest rates rise or stay high. REITs and retail. Yeah, REITs and retail. You yep. got to do your research, yep. pick your winners yep. Yep. and sit back. Don't get yourself burned. Don't try and pick Agreed the bottom. Do the research, pick the good ones and sit back, see how they do. There are a couple of retailers I think it's worth taking a position. Oh, uh, yeah, I know where you go. <laughs> Levisa. <laughs> but, Boy, if I had a dollar every time before I've said Levisa. Uh, yeah. uh, Look, it it, it could get sh- ugly first, but just five if, years if out Levisa, from now, If Levisa was a girl, yeah. his wife would be kicked in. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I was at the shopping center yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Look, there was a lot of people around. Yeah, yeah they're still, they're still spending. Yeah. Yeah, they're still getting ready for Christmas. Yeah, That AGM will be very important, though, I've got to say. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, do you know when that is? Uh, it's it's later this month, okay. a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, I'll do a bit of 21st, research. 21st, I think, 21st, 22nd. Okay. Um, all right. So next on the list, let's <clears throat> see who's nominated this. It's Andrew. It is Light and Wonder, LNW. So this is an interesting one because it's ASX listed, <clears throat> but it's an American company that creates... Uh, you know, products, content for casinos, for social media games, digital mm. gaming. Have I sort of summed it up, Nathan? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was, again, I had no idea this was even listed. Yeah, me neither. Um, <laughs> so when I saw it, I went, okay, there's not much history. And I went, okay, it's US listed. So let's go look at the US. Um, yeah. Up, and they they make acquisitions. Uh, pretty, pretty strong player. Not cheap. Uh, but I guess this is a sector that it is relatively hot. Mm. Um, so just to give some perceptions, around 2018, it peaked about, um, in the US dollar one, um, 60 bucks. And then in 20, 2021, when everything ran up, all mm-hmm. the growth stocks, this got to about 85, and it's now close to 80 bucks yeah. in the US one. So right. it's not cheap, because at 2021, zero rates, right? Uh, so it's not cheap, but 
it's an interesting stock. Mm. It is an interesting stock. Um, I would put this in my high growth, high risk category. I think the market is not pricing in interest rates here um, and economic slowdown. There's a fair amount of optimism priced in. So I would not be jumping in and buying it right now, but I like the areas they're in. If you know, if the baby gets thrown out with the bathwater, this is one you want to look at because for us, we've always had aristocrat, right? And yeah. we got out of aristocrat because growth story, blah, blah, blah. And this is the similar thematic. The, the, the trend is very similar. Uh, stock trades in the same kind of thematics. Um, so, you know, I used to just think I only got aristocrat to play with. Now we have this yeah. and it's a global play. So it's definitely one interesting. I'm not buying it now. It's, I think it's expensive um, and too many too hot money will be in it. But if it gets thrown out with the market, then I will be interested. Yeah, this is the old scientific games. Um, people who owned and knew Aristocrat will know this as a competitor. Uh, it's it's a big stock. Like it's yeah. not small. I forget Why the market. Why is it listed here? This is my question yeah, as well, Nadine. Gonna... So it's listed here under as a as a CDI. Yeah. yeah. It's the management is um, there's a couple of ex Aristocrat um, uh, senior managers yeah, okay. in there as well. Jamie O'Dell who used to be the CEO of Aristocrat, responsible for a lot of Aristocrat's turnaround. In fact. Um, he's over there, he's in a senior position, if not in the MD's chair, in fact, and there's a couple of others, ex-aristocrat. I wonder if they have just um, listed it here. They do have some revenue base in Australia, but maybe they just want to hire multiple. I, I don't understand why it's listed here either. It has not released a set of accounts in Australia yet. This is not a bad business at all. This is no. a, a high quality business, but I would want to see just some, I want to hear from management. I want to see some accounts um, in the Australian format. You can go check out the 10Ks, but my goodness, they're oh, comprehensive. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot of time, and I'm not sure I want to invest that time yet without just uh-huh. hearing from management a little bit about the um, uh, about why they're here and um, and just hearing their story first. You it's know? only been listed for a bit. A couple so, of months even, not yeah, even that. So I'm yeah. looking at a very curious decision to do it. Why they've come here. It doesn't seem to be. Usually you'd list here if there's been an acquisition or, um, or if you want to raise some money here. But I can't imagine can, why that would be the case. Can, can one of the big boys swallow the other big boy? And you want to be in the same exchanges? That's interesting. What, you're saying that they're setting up for a take on aristocrat? It's one potential. <laughs> I'd like to hear from them. Look, this is uh, this probably yeah. Keep it on your watch list. Um, I will say it's a complicated business. I tried yeah. to quickly. Oh piece no, it no, together, you can't just do a quick. There's a lot. Job. There's a lot yeah. going on here, so it needs a much deeper dive. There's a lot of pieces. Dive. Yeah, and it for me, it was you know how we always look at Altium from yep. two bucks, and we always said someone's going to take them over. Someone's always going to take yeah, them over, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's when they come and have a bid. Aristocrat and uh, and this one, you can <clears> see. You know, the the Highlander concept, you know, there can only be one. Mm. If we do go down that path, consolidation makes sense. And they, are they just setting up in the same areas to be in the same exchanges to make the legality of it, reporting of it, make it comparable so they can actually show and tell to regulators it could work? There are two things there that have blown my mind. One is that aristocrat might, I guess it might be a target. And the other one was... The Highlander thing. My goodness, I haven't heard a Highlander reference for <laughs> they can only a good be 20 one. years. <laughs> Shows my age. Yeah, yeah, it does, right? Yeah, so, yeah okay. I, mean, I, I was thinking why they've yeah. come in this late. And, it, I mean, they want to be compared. There's no doubt for me. They want to be compared to Aristocrat. Why? My guess is the Aristocrat has the bigger multiple and they want the multiple. That could be sense, one. But yeah. that's a terrible reason to buy the stock. Hey, we've had stocks list yeah. in U.S., for the like we had some of the stocks that listed here with zero 
um, exposure yes, to the Aussie right. market right. just for the multiple. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not far off reality. Yeah. Okay, so you would be not buying this. Not yet, but yeah, it's but it's watch list material. It. Yeah, it's interesting. Not well, quite bench. Not quite watch bench. Watch list. Yeah. Okay. I would be definitely saying if I'm a buyer of Aristocrat, mm. I'd be looking at this one. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So. Okay, so uh, Andrew, thanks for bringing that to our attention. Made for a good discussion. Let's get to number five on the list, and this is Nanasonics. This is for Will. Who wants to go first? Uh, this is uh, something that I bought. Yep. And I sold out because I thought I was a genius, and then it went three times. Yeah. <laughs> About okay, two so weeks what we're learning thought, today, folks, yeah. is yeah. that, yeah. yeah. Sometimes, you know, no matter how much research you Nobody's do, you miss it. Nobody's infallible. No, no. Oh, but look, I made, I made 30%. <laughs> missed 300%. But anyway, that, that being aside, um, it is a hard job into getting into the hospital system. Mm. And these guys have done that hard thing, which yes. I thought was too hard to do. Um, the, the beauty of it is once you're there, you're able to add more products and get out there. So they are doing new things, and obviously that's taken a lot longer than what most people thought, and the stock's gone sideways for a while. Look, I would not be betting against them um, getting the next product out there, but it, it has been delayed, and this has happened to a number of healthcare service providers. Um, so it, it is one where you have to back management. Jeez. Um, well, to make a call on this one, I'd probably I'll nibble because simply because it is just bloody hard to get into that system. They're, they're there. So I would say it's a nibble. You take a bit, maybe take 20, 30% of what you want to buy and see how you go. And if they execute and you're getting the new products getting the runway, then you follow through with more. Otherwise, you know, you cut your losses. But yeah, this is one that has the potential to do big things. And I, I think it's worthwhile taking the risk on. Okay. Yeah, it's one we caught this early. Actually, we bought this below a dollar. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, we've been talking about Nanosonics for a long for time. For a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bought it at seventy, eighty, and I sold yeah. at a dollar. Well, we we sold at three bucks or something, and watched oh, it go okay. all the way to eight dollars. <laughs> yeah. A poor analyst, but where we just gave him such a hard time about it because he was adamant that we we sell this thing, yeah. and, and um, yeah. So he was he's probably the only person happy to see this come back down. <laughs> <Yeah>. Poor guy. <laughs> but look, um, I did. Um, grab some research from him. He's a he's absolute gun on these um, these scientific businesses, and I'm not very good at them, so I'm borrowing um, his research here. But um, he reckons that at scale, so we know what this does, right? Yeah. This makes the Trophon units. What's interesting about Nanosonics is that 70% of its revenue comes from consumables, not the units itself. Yes. So the units are... So they're just a big disinfecting. That's right. Yeah. Yes, very, yes. Very simply put. Very. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's about it. There's, yeah. You can't get much complicated okay. than that, but that's that's... That's right, yeah. But you need, um, you do need some consumables um, in there to replenish the, um, the machine and to make the disinfectant work. Um, and that's where they make most of their profit and 70% of their revenue. So every machine that they sell represents years of, um, of consumable revenue. Pretty much ARR if you're thinking about it that way. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I actually didn't think about that. But, but yes, it is. Once you sell a machine, you end up with this um, revenue stream for years and years. So it's extremely valuable to sell one of these. Um, it looks extremely expensive. But um, our guy reckons that once, if they hit their um, market share numbers at scale, this thing could make $120 million of net profit. It's like a $700, $800 million market cap. So if you're willing to wait, it could be extremely cheap now. But as Graham points out, our analyst, there are a couple of things um, that are risky about this company. One is that key patents are due to expire in 2025. 
and there's more patent exploration explorations all the way to 2029. That is not far away. So either they have to spend money on redoing these patents and getting them re protected mm-hmm. or they have to really work at getting scale to at least get some sort of sales or manufacturing scale to prevent the competition from from lowering margins the other thing is that they've changed their sales model they used to get GE to sell all their stuff inside hospitals um, so great um, analyst advice was that you should just wait and see how they're doing um, taking on their own sales because now they have That's, people inside the hospitals. That was supposed to be a um, margin expansion growth play. It's a sensible thing to do, sure. but it's a really tough thing to do. It is. So I just want to see if that's going yeah, smoothly. Fair so point. we're waiting for just another result or two just to see if they're capturing um, that sales momentum. Um, it does look interesting though. I wouldn't object to enable, but I would say again, there are good returns available in this market and I know, you, you don't, don't have need to, to take yeah, on additional that's, risks. That's the, I'd say hold. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to call it a double it, buy on that. It's a billion dollar market cap. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's not some it's But the cap. growth potential is enormous. It's massive, yeah. yeah. And arguably, it's hidden now because um, the consumable profit will come later on down the line. Yeah. Interesting, guys. Thank you. That was a good first half of the program, mm. particularly given you didn't like this stock. <laughs> leave that alone. Okay, let's just summarize what we've learned so far. So the stock of the day was Goodman Group. It's expensive in Gaurav's view, perhaps even over-owned. And it's an avoid for Mathan because he reckons that in the like it's a longer term good stock quality company, but he thinks you might be able to get it on some sort of a pullback. For Magnus Energy Technology, both of our expert guests say there's no reason to go there at all. And there is capital raising coming if they want to achieve any of what they've been promising. Uh, Pinnacle Investment Management both say it is better than most in the funds management sector, but uh, Nathan doesn't invest in fund managers when there are sector outflows. So he thinks that you've got time for this one. It's a solid hold for Gaurav. Um, He's expecting continued growth, quality company, but just don't need to buy it today. Both are keeping their eye on Aussie ethical. There will be a time to get into that one. GPT, it's an avoid or a sell. It's actually a sell for Gaurav. Um, Look, he just says there's not enough upside when you consider, and this is what Nathan says as well, you can get 5% with no risk in government bonds. So it's just not enough upside. There's not enough to take on that risk. Light and Wonder, both of them have it on their watch list now. So thanks, Andrew, for bringing that to our attention. You heard the good discussion around that. And you just heard about Nanasonic. So a nibble, potentially, for uh, Nathan. But Gaurav says, you've got time. Don't do it now. Wait till you see a few more results coming through. Okay, our High Conviction Fund is live. The Investment Committee meeting is also live on our website. You just have to go to osbiz.com.au at the top of the bar. We've got series. You can go there and you will find the investment committee. Okay. uh, Keep your requests coming to us and we will keep bringing them to you. No double buys yet. No double sells either. So we'll just leave that one there. Don't think GPT's in the portfolio anyways. Okay. I just wanted to, if you're here, just listen to me for one second. We've got one of our virtual investor events coming up. It's free. Of course, this is the third year that we've done small caps, big ideas. So on November the 16th, starting at 11 a.m., although, of course, you can watch it on demand if you register there, we will have 10 fund managers giving us their high conviction stock picks. This year as well, we're throwing in a little mini edition of the call focused on microcaps. So five companies, fast and furious, buy, hold, sell. And uh, all you have to do to watch either live or on demand free is go to osbiz.co forward slash small caps 23. 
Coming up, Illumina, Caravel Minerals, Breville, Boom Logistics, and Duratech. Let's get straight to it. This one is for Peter, and it is Illumina. Straight to you, Gaurav. Wow, this is a this is a huge topic to talk about. Okay. Um, so we own Illumina. Yeah. We've been sitting on it and losing money on it for a good year or so. Um, it's really surprised me. Uh, twice in the last ten years, we have bought Illumina, two or three bagged it and sold it. So I thought I knew this company quite well, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I thought I did. And then, what? Yeah, you know, let's, let's go back a step. Take a step back. Illumina owns a forty percent stake in AWAC, which is the world's largest producer of bauxite and alumina. Bauxite being the raw material that makes alumina, which then makes aluminium. Um, this is a lot like iron ore. We're talking bulk mining. That's really a logistics operation. Uh, the cost of the material is is in moving it around. So. Illumina over decades has built a, well, AWAC over decades has built a network of mines, refinery, transport logistics, all connected. This, these are irreplaceable assets. Um, the best assets in the industry, uh, the largest, lowest costs assets in the industry. So generally, when you get a price downturn, these are the assets to buy. And that's what we've done in the past. We've, we've bought these at, at, at um, industry troughs and sold them when the price got high. We tried to do that again, and earlier this year, news came out that um, Illumina is facing a regulatory hurdle in WA. Uh, 70% of its assets um, actually kind of sit in in WA, and there are some crucial mines that feed refineries. And um, since 1960, the um, approval process has been a rolling five-year approval process. Every five years... They, the government ticks a box and they get approval. Every five years they apply, tick box, approval. This year, that approval stopped. And the government said, we're gonna, we're gonna have to stop this, we're gonna have a closer look at this because the mine is encroaching on some forest area. And that has stopped their access to high grade feed to go into the refinery. That's cut their production, that's raised their costs. So it looks like this is a really high cost business. It's actually what probably the lowest cost um, large miner in the world, but it looks really bad because they're not getting access to a really important part of their tenement because of these um, regulatory permits. Now, I don't know what's gonna happen with these permits. Um, WA is the best mining jurisdiction in the world. You put your money on, you know, the permits going through, the approval going through, and things kind of returning back to normal. But there is a chance here that WA says no for the first time since 1960. And then Illumina, I mean, this will, it'll carry on, but it'll carry on with a higher cost base, probably have to raise capital, and it's going to get ugly. So there is, this is a very discreet, we now have, we have two outcomes which we're looking for, and the investment task becomes tough. Um, you know, in January, I would have said this is a buy, but it, since this is this news has come and come out, I, I think we've changed our minds on this, and we still hold it, but we're keeping it as a hold. I would certainly not be adding to the to the mm. position, even though I think the replacement cost the replacement cost of its assets is probably three times the share price at the moment. So there is a triple to be made here, but it comes at very high risk. Um, I would say hold right now. There is an impossible investment really if we hadn't i think it's it's too i mean i wouldn't buy it today we hold it already and um there's a decision imminent by the end by the next month we should get a decision and that will determine how we act 
Um, but I would be holding this and watching very closely. But first time since 1960, yep. I mean, would yeah. you be willing to take that risk that that's <laughs> going to go through to capture more of that potential upside? Uh, no. Um, okay. I think mm. it, it is not a market where I want to do that. Yes. And that's the problem. It, you know, it, with cycles, you've got to be careful how this plays out. And it's trading at 30, 40 year lows, yeah. close to. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason, right? Yeah. And, and at certain times, when you get to these kind of macro risk, and these are, you know, are bullion expressions, it's a one or a zero. So the market is fairly pricing in. It's a high risk play. If you're, a, you know, if you want to take the high risk play, then you can take a small bite and see how that plays out. Mm. But I would say it's interesting in, the, in this scenario is, and it psychologically is very hard. It's actually funny because Gaurav just said, oh, he wasn't that excited about this, this list. He yeah. hasn't got excited about just about every stock on this list. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's a, this is an interesting play where I'm actually happy to wait mm. because I think, I know psychologically because you're in there, mm. it becomes hard to sell and buy back. Mm. Um, but if you're not there, you don't mm. have that baggage. Mm. So you, can, you should actually, in risk return basis, you should wait. See how it comes. I mean, if it pops 30%, who cares, right? Because it's cheap. It's ridiculously cheap, right? Yeah. If if that scenario unwinds. If the scenario doesn't unwind, then you go, oh, dear. Uh, so yeah, I'm glad that, I waited. Exactly. Yeah. So in that scenario, I would say I'm actually willing to let it bounce 30 40% up. It doesn't worry me. I think there's little doubt that it's mispriced where it is. Sure. Either this regulatory thing goes away, and this is probably a $3 stock. Sure. Or... It goes. They're going to raise capital at fifty or sixty cents, yeah. and then it's a completely different ballgame. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I think the this risk does not return belo- belong yeah. at seventy, eighty. Yeah, exactly. Cents. Yeah, so in yeah. reality, if it pops from seventy, eighty cents to dollar, dollar twenty, yeah, that's probably better. Buying. You can buy okay. it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, just wait and see. Yeah. And you know, I've, I've been looking at it, going, Jesus. When is this going to turn around? When is this going to turn well, around? No one wants to touch. If you're a fund manager, yeah, it's too you hard. don't want to buy yeah. this. How are you going to explain exactly. this? Exactly. It's been hard exactly. enough for us to explain and, and it. In, and in a time when base metals are also struggling, yeah. we're not getting that. We're not yeah. getting the China data. So I think you've got time. If, this was, just about a, the, if this was just about the, the um, commodity, commodity price, price yeah, then you buy this every yeah, day of yeah, the week. Yeah. But because you've got this new risk in there, which we haven't seen before, it actually shows you. It's a good indicator. It's a good wake-up call for me because... I mean, I, I did check this out, Nadine. I did see that there's a regulatory permit on this. Okay, it's been approved every year since 1960. Probably okay. Yeah. I tick that box. Yeah. But you can't just go yeah, ticking boxes, right? Every yeah. risk is a risk. And you don't think about it until it, it, until it slaps you on the face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Awesome. Okay, great. Great strategy talk in there yeah. as well. All right, so let's get to Caravel Minerals. So it's got a Caravel Copper project, which I do note is only 150 kilometers northeast of Perth. So yeah. that's pretty, you know, if you're talking about jurisdictions, mm-hmm. that's solid. That's pretty close to um, infrastructure and everything else yeah. as well. But do you need to be buying into uh, essentially a developer? Uh, no. Um, everyone is positive copper. I think um, we've talked about this before. Yeah, there oh, everyone. And People are being shaken out now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. not really, because I was on a, a retail broker get-together last okay. week, yep. and every man and his dog and the dog's child <laughs> had a copper story for me. Yeah, and right. I've heard, like, things that are in South Australia that I haven't looked at over 10 mm. years, they're all recycling, right? Mm. So there's a lot of everyone's finding on it. And... And I, logically, I understand, right? If you're not going to have a recovery cycle globally without copper, I don't care whether you're looking at EV, your building, whatever, you need copper. Everything needs copper. Yep. So I get that. And we know that there is not enough and all the easy ones have been taken out. Now it's getting more expensive. That makes sense. But 
the commodity is not doing anything. Base metals are not doing anything. Global growth is probably going to go lower in the next quarter. You'll get it cheaper. And my view is if you're going to be punting on a commodity where everything is cheap, buy producers, you don't need to go to the yep. Explorer. Agree? No, I don't. Oh, okay. um, Whoa. I have never heard of this before, but I fell off my chair when I saw the uh, resource size here. I mean, this is... They say that, well, they, they say that they're the biggest undeveloped copper resource well, in Australia. They say, yeah. And, you know, when big, big things like that get thrown around, I am so skeptical. But when I went through this, this is a big, big deposit. Yeah. Uh, again, I did a double take. Um, this is what's known as a porphyry. Porphyries are the, that's what copper dreamers want. An enormous ore body um, goes for kilometers. Um, nice thick intersections of mineralization and very close to the surface. You may th- not understand a word I'm saying, but what that means in English is that you can um, do bulk mining on mm-hmm. this. You can get big bits of equipment up there, very close to surface, and you can just you can just tear the land tear away the land and away. just get yeah. the copper out. And um, I get it. And you'll need to do that. the The issue with this is that. Um, they say that the, the capex is 1.1 billion. No, no, no. You have to double that. This is going to be a $2 billion capex job. This is an $80 million company. I think this mine gets, gets done, actually. I think it's, the geology looks good enough. The economics look good enough to actually get this mine up and going. It's not going to be this company that does it. I actually think this is um, elephant territory. This is a, a Rio, um, uh, not, not, not Sandfire anymore, because no, the balance yeah. sheet's torched but if they had any money they should be looking at this south 32 should be looking at this yes, okay. this is big boy territory um but i think the way this all body is structured the um you know all the the characteristics of it i would say this gets developed um they've got a long long way to go they've got yeah. to do a bankable feasibility so we need some numbers to see how much money this thing can make but i reckon this gets gets developed and it is a big boy um I th- I'm going to go specky buy on this. 80 million seems a, a, a nice nice price to pay for okay. a very big ore body. It's covered by one broker. They downgraded it. Yeah, I, I never heard of it. I don't know how yeah. we, we always missed this. Yeah, um, I mean, there's one broker yeah. covering it, so I assume they're going to be the ones that's potentially raising money for them when they need it. They'll need money. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, there's finances. a cynical Nathan. Yep. And they're mm. downgraded by 20%. And still, the target price is 65 cents, and you go... <laughs> okay, well, we're going to have to agree to disagree on that one. We've got to move on in the uh, interest of yeah. time. Yep. Okay, so Breville, this is an interesting one. Global company. Um, we know how much we bought of it in the um, in the pandemic, but it's, you know, pretty, pretty quality in some people's view. Came out with a trading update, you know, UBS for one, says that it's still positioned for growth, even the more challenging environment for those that are selling to consumers. So this has been picked by Lachlan Breville, BRG, buy, hold, or sell. Yeah, the, our growth fund owns a little bit of Breville. It's a business we like quite a lot, but valuation is, is probably not, it's, it's not enough to get over the line, but this is on the bench. <laughs> okay. And it's a company that, that we follow internally um, quite carefully. It is a fantastic business. So you might um, be able to get it cheaper. I think you could get it cheaper. They, what, what they really have, I think when you think about their consumer, it's someone who has gone through the whole stage of coffee. You know, someone just doesn't decide to buy a $1,000 coffee machine. They first buy the, um, they first light coffee, then they buy the little instant pot of coffee, then they buy the... the sunbeam and then... Yeah, yeah, yeah well, yeah. then they buy the, um, the capsule coffee yes. yeah. and then buy the cheap coffee machine. And then, so that by the time they get to Breville, you have a coffee enthusiast, you have a dedicated coffee lover. These are a great set of customers to have. 
And uh, Breville recognizes that and they're building out a little ecosystem to sell stuff to, the, to this very dedicated hardcore customer. I think there's a lot of potential here. Management's fantastic. These guys uh, know what they're doing. The brand is great. Distribution points all over Europe. Yeah, and, and they've reinvested. I mean, there was a time that they were yep. reinvesting in the business instead of paying out dividends, which is yep. unusual for any Aussie company. No, I like it a lot. Okay. Um, oh, it's a hold for me. I, I, you know, I, I probably have Nathan in my head too much, but I am worried about <laughs> yeah. the future. That's why sales I went to you first. <laughs> I think you can. What are you going to say, Nathan? Get this cheaper. Worried about the consumer? Oh, bloody hell! Yeah. Um, but look, I think it is higher quality, and the market always pays a big multiple. But I'll give you a flip on this. Yeah. You can buy Premier and get the effect through them. Premier is a diversified play. Yeah. It gives you exposure <clears throat> to Breville as well. Mm. Um, Premier, I, I think. Yeah, good take. I, I'm actually waiting for. I think Premier is good. Yeah. My daughter works at Smeagol, so you know. Uh, <laughs> she's um yeah. What she tells me always freaks me out. Uh, the amount of money that people spend there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's it's emotional um, barrage. Um, so in reality, I think Premier does quite well. I think if if the people throw the baby out of the bathwater, if you can pick up Premier in the low twenties, you get the exposure of Breville there plus Smeagol. And and a few other pieces. So, okay. I mean, Solilu is a great player. So, I think you can play through Bre- uh, Premier. Uh, I, I like Breville. I just You'd can't hold it us. if you had it, though. Oh, I would still actually sell it and buy Premier. Okay. I'd Ooh, I'd switch. Interesting. There we I'd go. switch. More diversification. All right. Let's get to the next on the list, and I think that this is Boom Logistics. This is for Angela B O L. Uh, let's go to Boom Logistics. So. Um, I don't know. I can't see any sort of recent news for the company as well. Um, what do you think? You know, cranes, travel towers, uh, if you think of a slowing economy, I don't know. This is a really important stock to study. Yeah. I recommend everyone go and have a look at this because if you want to know what a crappy business looks like, <laughs> this is the very definition. Um, He's back, baby. <laughs> no, this is, this is so... Obviously, a bad quality business. I almost bought this at one stage. Oh, um, because it's trading on like half its asset value, and it's it's the assets are a bunch of cranes, and periodically it, it sells cranes off. I don't think it gets asset value for them, but it's, there might be a little bit of value here. But I'm probably too old to be buying crappy businesses at marginal prices now. I think that's not a great investment strategy. Um, and this is a 50 million market cap business with. A lot of debt. They've gone through this so many times before. Ten years ago, I was looking at this company, yeah. and it was a tiny business with a whole lot of debt. They had to recapitalize and sell assets. And ten years later, here we are all over again. Really got to wonder what managers and directors learn over the years. The other one I'll throw out is Boat Longyear. Just yeah. the lousiest company. Going through the same cycle again and again. Um, overinvest, malinvestment, take on debt, raise capital, start again. Um, and Gore really is a nice bloke. Um, <laughs> Gore hasn't had enough sleep. I haven't had enough sleep. Tell it how you see it, because that's what people want, yeah, right? That's exactly. Okay, so well, that look, is look a the, total avoid. Look at the basic economics here. You got a whole bunch of capital, a whole bunch of capital going in, $100 million of capital earning 1%. When you can put that, if you took the capital in this business and stuck it in the Commonwealth Bank, you'd increase earnings fivefold. Yeah. I, this, there's no reason to own this. And it requires $15 million a year in CapEx. There's some cash flow coming out of this, 
But there's a very high capex requirement. This is hard work, guys. I would avoid this. Yeah, Angela, yeah. who wrote in about this, don't know if you're up for it, that it hard work. It is cheap. It is cheap. There's um, probably a bit of value there, but it is enough? hard work. No, um, I like the sector. I like the services sector. Um, but you've got to be careful. The risk is high in the sector. You want to be uh, picking up guys who are cycling contracts. So you're getting better contracts, doing better margins, because most people are carrying pretty crappy margins and bad contracts from the past. Um, so this is not one of them. And interestingly, we, we've looked at this stock for years, right? It's been around a long time. No broker has published on it for years. <laughs> That's always a bad sign mm. for me, because if it is worth something and there's prospects to mm -hmm. it, brokers like these are circle carcasses. And this is no one yeah. anywhere near it. So that tells me things are tough. And, and it's going to get harder. Uh, I think it may be cheap, but it may remain cheap for longer. Um, it's one where you need to see recovery cycle and execution before you jump in. Okay. Do not jump in for the turnaround story before the turnaround. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, right. Last on the list is Duratech. Yeah. This one is for Todd. Todd, thank you for writing in. Again, just remember that this is information only. So engineering, construction, remediation, a specialist, you know, uh, any of those terms float your boat? I had never heard of this stock until Maith and I were on together and Duratech came up on this show um, and I bought the stock for myself a little bit. Um, it's a bit small for us at Intelligent Investor yeah. and a bit small for the fund. Um, but having done a bit of work on it, um, I took a small position, only a small position, just to sort of watch and hold, but very interesting When did business. you get in there? Like how long ago was that, do you think? It was recently. It was in the, one of those dips. It's okay. a it, it's quite a liquid and it yeah. trades yeah. up and down. So on, on a low day, you can get it for um, just over a dollar, okay. um, which is what I paid for it. But right. um, would you buy it now? Yeah, I would actually. Okay, I'm happy to buy it now. I, I think this is a. It it looks superficially cheap. I would say it's not cheap because this is not an ultra high quality business. But I like how management is working towards improving this business. Mm -hmm. So the guys who the, who work here, four of them actually came from. A different business who did the same thing and these four guys splintered off started this business all own huge equity stakes have shown so much hustle in getting this thing up and going are winning contracts all over the place 50% um, of revenue comes from the Department of Defense and they do have okay. an advantage they've got these um, um, they they spend a lot of time um, uh, instead of bidding for contracts what they do is they go in they get do paid work on assets and from that paid work comes contracts. So they have like a consulting arm that acts as a, as a sales lead. So that means that they're not bidding for contracts. So usually when you're bidding for contracts, if you win a contract, it means you just made the yeah. least amount of yeah, money. Yeah. And you want to avoid that in contractors. And these guys have a systematic approach where they avoid bidding and they have other ways of doing okay. it. Very, very clever, very well managed. I think it looks okay. It's not cheap. I know the multiple is low. It ought to be low because not a super high quality business, but management here is exceptional and I'm happy to back them. Um, I think I was just seeing a picture of that fancy bridge in Perth going to the big stadium. So buy, mm. hold, sell, Duratech. Oh, look, I think it's a, definitely a good stock. I mean, it's defense, government pays. <laughs> Not many other people are going to be paying in the next decade. Um, and it's quite unique. I, I actually like any, I'm, I'm looking at every stock that has a defense earnings to it. Like a moat, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really good, um, and government spending that kind of plays into it. Um, so this is great. All right, it's not great business, but great management. They've executed well. 
it's paying a good dividend yield. Actually, can I just jump in that one thing you, I saw in this stock that you do not see in uh, in services businesses is incredible cash flow. Yeah. Usually, if you're servicing a big client like the DoD, they pay you when they want to pay you, if they pay you at all. Um, go have a look at um, electro-optic systems and see the trouble they've had in collecting mm-hmm. cash. These guys, the cash flow just is incredible. So they've clearly structured their business because they own so much of it in a way that cash comes out. And that's super important. That's Without that, this would not be buy-worthy. And in the last three years, they're paying dividends consistently. And that tells you that, and it's it's actually not that expensive. I mean, when you look at where the market is trading. Mm. Um, but yeah. This I look, ought to I be think, a low multiple, though. Yeah, I, I, I would... I hope this thing comes back because mm. I want to be buying into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's fairly priced now, so it's a hold. But I, it's definitely an interesting stock. Uh, definitely one I hope everyone sells. So All right. Buy. Well, and I came across it, Nadine, because, because of, of the show. show. Yes. Yeah, great. Well, see, there you go. Yeah. Goro's making friends with me now. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm scared of you now. <laughs> All right. Let's go through this very quickly. Illumina, it is a hold. There is a big risk looming. So Gaurav wants to get through that. And Nathan agrees. It's weight. It's cheap, but weight. Uh, Caravel Minerals, M&A. Possible takeover target, it's a specky buy for Gorav, but it's a no. Nathan thinks he will get it cheaper. Breville, it's a hold, it's a quality company, it's on his bench for Gorav. Uh, but actually, Nathan would sell it and then get your Breville exposure via um, by a premier, which he likes. Uh, Boom Logistics, hard no, both my guests. And Juratech, it's a buy for Gorav, and Nathan wants it. He just doesn't want to pay for it where it sits <laughs> today, so he's going to wait. All right, that is the end of the program. Again, don't forget, we do have our next virtual event, Small Caps Big Ideas. We'll put that up on the screen as far as the uh, registration. It's free as always. Well, I say a big thank you to Nathan Somersandaram from Deep Data Analytics and Gaurav Sodi from The Intelligent Investor. I always enjoy a Monday with you guys. <laughs> thank, thank you, you so much. <laughs> and thank you for watching. Please do keep submitting the companies and we'll get to them ASAP. You can do so via osbiz.co forward slash the call. Stay with us. We'll take you through the market and the day's trade so far next. 